welcome to the grand day out. Um, yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it, since we've done a little bit of a grand day out. You have to excuse all the week because I'm currently recording outside the cinema. It's a wonderful Thursday afternoon. It's raining. It's dark. And I know what you're all thinking. It's so windy, so I really, really do apologise in advance for the sound quality of this recording. But I have to talk to you about the film I've just seen. So I've just come out of seeing Confess Fletch, which is a reboot of, yeah, that's right, those old Chevy Chase films, um, which itself is based off of book series from the 1970s. I can't remember who wrote them, so you have to forgive me, I'm doing this rather on the fly. Um, yeah, I really don't know why no one's talking about Confess Fletch, because it's really, really fucking good. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't really know a lot about it going in. I sort of knew, obviously, Chevy Chase had done the Fletch films in the 80s, and they're kind of like whodunits, mysteries, and that sort of thing. But this... I want more of these, please. This was really, really fucking good. You've got John Hamm playing the lead character of Fletch, and he is such a presence on screen he's so commanding and it's charismatic he's he's so good so in this film basically he comes back home from spending time in Italy to help recover some lost paintings and he's being framed for murder <laughs> yeah really really good I don't know why no one's talking about this it seems like this has got a really, really limited release. I have no idea why this, uh, my, lo my local multiplex being a uh, Cineworld, is playing it, which is absolutely bonkers. And the fact that nobody is talking about this is, honestly, it absolutely stinks. Because, honestly, this film is magnificent. I don't normally go in for whodunits, murder mysteries. I think that's more of a kind of a map kind of thing but yeah really enjoyed this kind of shook up the film here a little bit had us guessing along the way lots of lots of jet setting the soundtrack as well oh my god the soundtrack is kind of a throwback to classic noir big band kind of investigation sort of films like that really really enjoyed this um if they want to make more of these I would be fine with that. What I did read was quite interesting was that actually uh, to get them to come back and do reshoots John Hamm actually gave back some of his money for reshoots and stuff for like three days extra filming or whatever so that's quite cool so you can tell kind of everyone involved is it's a real passion project so it's directed by Greg Mottler who I only really knew for films like Superbad and Adventureland, yeah, that that Michael Sarah, I think it was Michael Sarah thing, anyway. Anyway, so it's kind of a comedic thing throughout, but it's not so really in your face, gross out, crass humour like big, veiny triumphant dicks and stuff. It's really subtle uh, direction, absolutely fantastic. Like I said, the script is tight, really, really tight. You know exactly what's going on, who the players are, and everything else. Oh, it's just so good. If you get a chance to see Fletch, you, you confess Fletch, you need to see it. I'm kind of, right now, uh, I'm kind of curious about the Chevy Chase films. 
but I don't think they're going to stand up in comparison to this because this was just wow so so good so yeah definitely get on that I would imagine because it's a Miramax which is Paramount I imagine it's probably going to be on Paramount Plus or whatever their streaming service is called in the next kind of couple of months or so if you get a chance to see it definitely do watch it even if you do end up taking out a free trial for Paramount Plus and watching it it's it's so refreshing to see something quite different on the big screen and again why it didn't get a wide release I will never know because honestly the fact that Glass Onion uh, the Rian, Jan Rian Johnson's new uh, murder mystery can get a big screen like preview and this didn't it got such a limited release just honestly it boggles the mind especially with such like a big talent like uh, John Hamm kind of on board as well so yeah highly recommend definitely go check that out so I think what we're going to do now is I'm going to go have some food because I am absolutely starving because I haven't eaten and it's like uh, half past four do that and I am gonna go see the menu quite looking forward to that again wasn't really sold on the trailers initially but when it kind of got to the twist in the trailers and stuff I was like oh I'm gonna go see that so I'll uh, talk to you in a bit well I'll be that is film two of two today that I have really really enjoyed so as I said before I've just come out of seeing the menu i didn't really know what to expect going in i kind of expected high concept drama with lashings of blood and guts and i got that but it was a lot deeper than i thought it was going to be as well so you've got ralph fines on screen playing the titular chef of this kind of restaurant on its own island serving these high uh, wealthy clientele who basically are pretentious as fucking snobs. <laughs> Definitely the opposite of kind of me, who just wants to sit down with a nice cheeseburger or, you know, or a greasy pizza or whatever. And they, they taste, they're kind of invited to taste this menu and not is all it seems. So what I really liked about the film, not only was it a really, really nice, like thoughtful kind of drama with lashings of violence and stuff but it's got this really dark sardonic humour underneath it which kind of elevated it and I gotta say as well oh man that food that food looks so so delicious didn't know what half it was but man that looked delicious and I would probably eat it <laughs> I don't think I'd be paying all that money but I would definitely eat it nonetheless. But yeah, Ralph Fiennes on the screen is menacing and there's more to his character than he's letting on and it's really multi-layered kind of performance he's putting in. You've got Anya Taylor-Joy as well as like the no-nonsense kind of uh, folly who's kind of been brought to this island unwittingly to, to experience this food who doesn't necessarily get it. So that kind of very, very strong performance there as well. All the performances in the film are outstanding. And as well, like I said, the shots for the food 
is like food porn. You know those like British uh, Marks and Spencer's adverts? This isn't just whatever food. Think of that, but on a grander scale and more pretentious. <laughs> with, with a big uh, blockbuster kind of budget behind it. Mid-range, low-budget low thing. <laughs> Yeah, very, very worth seeking out. I'm definitely going to be seeking out more of the director's work because if he can make food look that good, I want to know what else he can make look good. <laughs> but yeah, really, really enjoyed that. If you get a chance to see it, definitely go see it on the biggest screen you can because, like I say, that food is astonishing on the big screen, you know? But now I'm going to go for film three for three, and that is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Don't really know about this. So, yeah, I'll uh, speak to you in a bit. And now we are back in the safety of A4SHQ. <laughs> yeah, so I've just got out of seeing the newest Black Panther film, Black Panther Wakanda Forever from Marvel Studios. This is a bit of a weird one. Um, so here's the thing, right? It feels like it's a film that's had an original script written for it, the stuff with Namor and all of that kind of stuff. But then there's another film as well, thrown in, another script thrown in with it to do with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And it feels smushed together, which is why it feels like this film has got like Nearly a three-hour runtime. I think it was about 160 minutes. So, yeah, about two and a half hours. For me, I did enjoy it. But I felt like the moments where it was strongest was where it was dealing with the grief and in mourning of Chadwick Boseman uh, T'Challa. Because the actors were really, really giving it all. You can kind of tell that this was something that they actually really wanted to make. And that they had genuine emotion for the passing of their fellow actor. And then the rest of the film, where it's kind of the Wakandans versus the quote-unquote Talukans, I think they called them. I'm going to call them Atlanteans. They're not in the film. We'll get onto that in a bit, but kind of the fighting between the two factions and stuff is a bit like, yeah, it's your typical Marvel smashy, smashy CGI kind of thing. Speaking of CGI, actually, it's not too bad. So the the main shots of kind of the world and stuff is good. I like that. That's not a problem, but there's a couple of moments kind of when you're dealing with like the Ironheart suit which I think is not really a spoiler, but when you get to the Iron Heart suit with Riri Williams, it looks a bit ropey, it looks a bit cartoony. That's probably due in part because they're going heavily from the comic and there's only maybe this character still fairly new in the comics, maybe under like 10, 15 years old or something, so there's not a lot to go from, but it looks really cartoony and it looks quite out of place. And the same goes with kind of when the Black Panther suit turns up towards the end of the film. I'm not telling you. I'm not going to spoil it. But when that turns up and the character starts throwing around enemies and stuff, it looks a bit ropey and you're a bit like, eh. But it's, the quality of the CGI is still much better than what we've had in the recent Marvel TV series for obvious reasons. I'm just going to turn the tap off because it 
it's uh, dripping behind me. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. So the big thing to talk about really is Namor. How how is Namor in this film? Um, they made him a complete badass. <laughs> so given the design of Namor, so people in who may not necessarily know, he's he's kind of he was the original mutant and he was the forerunner before DC came along and kind of come up with Aquaman and stuff, I believe, if memory serves. So to differentiate him from Aquaman, because Aquaman did the whole underwater thing first on film, they've they've changed his they've changed Namor's origins to him being a I want to say a Mayan. Uh definitely somewhere like that within uh the Mexico region, definitely somewhere around there. I haven't got a problem with that. It kind of it was fine, the designs looked good. He was really, really badass because obviously a lot of people just kind of take the piss and they think, oh, he's like Aquaman, he can only talk to fish and stuff. But the way they do it in this film is really, really cool. So the first time you meet him, he basically fucks shit up and you're like, wow, this is this is fucking great. <laughs> they made him badass. He even made, in the comics, he's got little wings kind of on his feet or on his boots. They actually made those really, really fucking cool. <laughs> As well, which is really, really surprising. Um, again, like I said, I think the stronger beats of this film are where it's kind of processing the grief and mourning of Chadwick Boseman, like I've already said. Because I must admit, within the first five, ten minutes, I don't think there was a dry eye in the theatre I was in because I think everyone was crying. It got me, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't crying, but I was pretty close to it. And then it kind of came up with the silent Marvel Studios logo, kind of all based around Chadwick Boseman, which I believe they've now got on the front of the first Black Panther film on Disney+. Plus. I haven't watched it on Disney+, Plus because I've seen it on uh, Blu-ray, but they use that opening, and it's like, since he's passing, you're kind of watching it, you're like, wow, that's, that's really, really affecting. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was like, I must hold back the tears. It was really good. It's really touching. Like I say, it's a bit weird because they've, you can kind of tell, obviously, they're processing the grief, but at the same time, they're still going to make a Marvel film. I feel like they shouldn't have gone the big smashy-smashy, grabby-grabby route, maybe had it more centre on the politics of dealing with the loss of uh, T'Challa, their king, and kind of the ramifications of that. There's a couple of little things in the film as well which set up kind of the future of the MCU, which I'm not going to spoil. There is a certain cameo in the uh, ending credits. Again, not going to spoil, but definitely opens up the door to further adventures in Wakanda. So overall, I think this is one of the more strongest films of Marvel have done in Phase 4. Um, that's not really saying a lot, because a lot of the Phase 4 films have been a bit meh. A lot of the stuff has been meh. You know, the only really sort of things that have really grabbed me from Phase 4 have been Multiverse of Madness, purely because it's Raimi directing, um, and the WandaVision stuff, to be honest, and that was a TV show. But the films just haven't really kind of grabbed me in the same way that they did a few years ago. Can we just speak about the length of the runtime as well? It's fucking criminal. 
that this film got two and a half hours over a really, really paper-thin, flimsy plot, which honestly, I was like, well, this doesn't really make sense. Whereas a film loaded with a lot of potential, such as For Love and Thunder, with such a killer character like Gore, and casting Christian Gale as Gore, Christian Bale as Gore, sorry, um, only getting maybe 10 minutes of screen time throughout the whole entire film, when clearly he was doing a character bit, you know? And having that cut, majority cut on the floor because it had to reach a two-hour studio mandate and this film getting two and a half hours is just, it boggles the mind. I understand why, you know, studio mandates, they've got to cut the film and such like, but it, it seems a bit odd because you think, you know, theatrical releases, yeah, let them be a little bit longer, obviously, because they're not, you know. But this one is so... Again, I just don't feel like they should have done the typical Marvel smashy smashy stuff. That's not to say I didn't like it, because I did. I I did generally quite enjoy it. There were some really cool moments. The action and choreography is sound. It's tight. It's as good. Ryan Coogler knows what he's doing in this part of the Marvel universe, you know, with the Wakandans and everything else. He knows exactly what he's doing. But again, I kind of wish they went completely scrapped the old script and went for a new one dealing with the loss and grief. Maybe it could have even worked better as a TV show, arguably. Could have had a six-episode run of kind of Wakanda processing, you know, the loss of, of T'Challa and such like, you know? And the ramifications of that, I don't think it needed maybe like a two-and-a-half-hour film, as good as it was. Um, So I think... I don't think there's anything now, phase Marvel-wise, until... January or February when Ant-Man Quantumania comes out and that's probably going to kick off the run-up to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Oh, and the, possibly the Guardians uh, special as well. It'll be tacked on the end here if um, I've watched it or not by the time this goes out. But we'll see. We will see. It is now Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, turns out that the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is actually on Disney Plus right now. So I sat down yesterday afternoon and I watched it. It's a 45 minute short and it's a double header of basically Mantis and Drax trying to find the ultimate Christmas present for um, Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It was daft. It was silly, there was a lot of, it was nice to watch something Marvel that didn't have a villain, but still had links to the larger universe as a whole, so that was quite cool. Um, I would imagine it will probably go in yearly rotation now, because it was that that much fun. Um, I think if you're expecting something a bit more from it, you're not going to get that. Again, there's not going to be any spoilers, but kind of introduction of a certain character has got me very excited for Volume 3 when that's out next year and the potential ways they could go about it because this is now technically the close of Phase 4 going into Phase 5, which kicks off next February with Ant-Man Quantumania or whatever it's called. I don't know. But yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Lovely, uh, really nice bit of feel-good uh, 
TV, I suppose, or or short, whatever you want to call it. You can tell there was a lot of kind of love put into it because of all the references to other Christmas like shows and stuff. But yeah, must admit I did watch it and I was ready for Christmas. And problem is, is it's November. <laughs> but yeah, really, really enjoyed that. I would like more of those, to be honest. More of the Marvel special presentations, please, because they are very much self-contained, their own thing, and they can do pretty much what they like without having to link back to the larger uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. So I'd rather prefer those as opposed to long extended TV series that, that are either kind of too short or they're too long and kind of got no point with it. Just, just give me a 45 minute to an hour like short. I'm good with it. Especially if you want to introduce more weird and more weird and wonderful concepts that won't necessarily fit in a film or or what have you. But yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, let's say I'm perfectly primed now for volume three next year, and I think that's gonna be it for this grand day out. In out. Oh, that's what I was gonna ask you people who are listening right now because twitter seems to be blocking all of the algorithms and everything there's going to be two things i want to ask you the first thing is i'm thinking about doing an alternative christmas music episode have you basically anything that isn't what we hear year in year out have you got anything you want me to have a listen to possibly get in contact twitter facebook email you know the places by now other thing is as well uh, we're slowly going to be getting ready for our third anniversary celebrations. Or is it fourth? Third or fourth? Can't remember now. It's been a long time. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to be looking for questions for a Q&A. So, again, Facebook, Twitter, get all those in now. And email as well. Get them in now. And we can start sort of filtering through and such like, because again, the algorithms of these social media websites are just absolutely killing us at the moment. But there you go. Alas. Anyway, that's been a grand day out. I'll see you next time for a proper episode with a bit of luck. Fingers crossed, touch wood. <laughs>